millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. We love our pets, but when the floor is covered in fur, that's harder to love. Eufy X10 Pro Omni Robot Vacuum has powerful 8,000 PA suction to make hair vanish from floors in just one pass. Plus, the roller brush has automatic detangling for easy hands-free maintenance. Want to know more? Go to eufy.com, that's E-U-F-Y.com, and discover X10 Pro Omni, the best-in-class all-in-one robot vacuum for only $799. Hello and welcome to Condensed Histories, the podcast that takes pop culture and reveals the real history underneath. I'm your host, Jem Daduchu, and this time round, it's largely focusing around one episode of Rick and Morty, but I'm also going to be talking about South Park 2. Now, I have discussed both of these genius animated series in the past, but I've looked at them in different ways. In the case of South Park, that was in the episode. I've done a few episodes about comedy. And with South Park, it's a very good example of satire. And then with Rick and Morty, I've talked about it from the philosophical concept of nihilism. Yeah, really. And let's face it, Rick is about the... is almost the definition of a nihilist. So, yes, if you want to find more angles on these great... TV series, feel free to listen to those episodes, but I'm coming at this from, well, I'm laughing, but actually the the just genius way that Rick and Morty has evolved in season seven. So if you don't know, season seven of Rick and Morty was quite the gamble. I'm not going to go too much into it, but Justin Roiland has had various allegations around him which has led to Adult Swim and the makers and Dan Harmon, the other half of the two people, two creators, co-creators, to at least temporarily go their separate ways. Now, if these allegations are borne out to be true, these are terrible and awful, and absolutely Justin needs to face the appropriate penalties for this, the consequences of his actions. What I'm not a huge fan of is this is an example of you're meant to be innocent until proven guilty. The actual case has not come to court, and already he's lost his main meal ticket. I would rather the consequences happened after the court case, but I also understand, do you really want to be having that hanging over the production of a TV show? And there are hundreds of people's jobs on the line of making sure that Rick and Morty is successful and continues to be successful. The reason why season seven is is, is controversial then, or, or people were waiting and seeing, was whereas Dan Harmon was the main writing genius, Justin Roiland also brought his own quirks to it, and critically, he was the voices of both Rick and Morty, as well as a few other people in the series. 
you can spot when somebody else's voice is different, but I have to say, and I don't know, I haven't bothered writing it down, whoever is now doing the new voices of Rick and Morty, bang up job, it's it's great. I can tell it's slightly different, but it's not distractingly so. Are those all the places Rick Prime could be? I wish, Morty. It's all the places he is. What do you say, Rick? To fly through space? Come upon something? Maybe I have a moral objection? Rick and Morty, we're back, baby! Why bring in South Park? Because... Like I said, both of them have, well, in the case of Rick and Morty, it's now over 10 years old. In the case of South Park, it's over 25 years old. And both sets of fans have a reputation of being that rather toxic fan you get on the internet, where if you have, have the audacity to say that there's anything slightly wrong with it, you get hammered and you don't get the joke and you're too woke or whatever. But do you know what? When you look at the actual sort of Trey and Parker points, Dan Harmon, etc., the good thing about any of this stuff is it should start a conversation. It doesn't really purely slam dunk. It's the case that if they want to point out there's a problem on one side, they will also show problems on the other side as well. This is why they've been hammered by pretty much every group around about being inappropriate. It could be an obvious thing to go for would be right-wing politics in America, but they don't let the left off easy either. So in the case of South Park for a moment, they did, I'm guessing about five years ago, an episode about trans issues. And I am not going to go into that one, but it caused a storm. And whatever your views may be, on the, the conversation about trans people and trans athletes and things like that, whatever your views are, the point is that this is a show that was over 20 years old that have pretty much shocked everybody with, it, with, it could be Scientology, it could be religion, it could be right-wing politics, it could be environmentalism, it could be sexual harassment, panda, all kinds of things. You know, they've covered everything and yet they were still able to shock and lead to discussions when it came to something like this the, the trans episode i noticed that basically everybody who was trans was horrified at it and going at it and yet as always you're missing the point of the satire at that point and this is where i'm going to now go into the one in 2023 called joining the pandaverse and Again, on this occasion, you've then got people missing the point. In this situation, the scenario is that there are many multiverses out there, and there is a multiverse where the four kids, you know, Carl, Kenny, Eric, etc., the main kids, let's face it, they're all little white boys, and you suddenly see them as these diverse women. Eric, it's okay! It's got... okay! Matt! Matt! I had a dream that I was replaced by a diverse woman. And the point of the multiverse and where they were going with this is that Disney and Kathleen Kennedy keeps making everything with diverse women in it. And there's Eric Cartman, alternate reality Kathleen Kennedy, and her catchphrase is, put a chick in it, make her gay. And sometimes he then adds, and make her lame. And... This has been picked up with no sense of irony whatsoever by some right-wingers going, yeah, yeah, look, South Park's pointing things out. But if you actually watch the episode, 
there are some very specific points where they say, oh, so you're being sexist. You don't think that women should be in stuff. And it's like, no, but it isn't particularly diverse taking a white male character and then recasting it as a diverse woman. What you should be doing is coming up with new, interesting stories and making them for diverse casts. And I agree. And at the end, there's a meeting between Eric Cartman and Kathleen Kennedy, and she apologizes saying, I doubled down too hard on this, but he apologizes going, well, what choice did I give you when I kept goading you almost into it? And I guess we created each other. Mrs. Kennedy, I don't think I've ever said this before in my life, but I'm sorry. So again, it's showing you there's, there's a point on both sides, both negative and positive, and that's the point of satire. It's meant to make people talk. The moment you turn around and say, this should be banned, you're the bad guy. Do with that as you will, but the point of this comedy is not to feel comfortable. And at the beginning of that particular episode, I was sitting there going, really? You're going there? And oh boy. But in the end, I trusted in them and they did deliver something really interesting and thought-provoking. So then we move on to Rick and Morty. Most people say that by the time you get to Rick and Morty season three or four, that's peak Rick and Morty. Just every episode is Stone Cold Classic and it's absolutely amazing. Pickle Rick, etc. Big reveal, I'm a pickle. What do you think about that? I turned myself into a pickle. Yes, I feel you, they're great. But this idea that it's then a gradual decline, I don't buy. I think that there have been some bad episodes, but there's been some bad episodes early on as well. Maybe there's a few more clunkers or average episodes as you move on, but there's still really, really good stuff in there. And when we come to episode four of season seven, I sat there almost slack-jawed with it. It's called That's a Morte which is very clever because it's playing on the song That's Amore. It's also Mort is death and Morty is the name of the boy. And I knew this was going to be jaw-droppingly bad taste when the opening came with a warning. Now, all the other crazy, disgusting, disgraceful things that Rick and Morty have done over the series never before has there been a warning before the episode? And that's something interesting, because you could argue, well, Jem, there was never anything that hardcore back in the 1990s, but it's only been in recent few years where before an episode, there's been like, be aware these things are going to be in it. I do have a bit of an issue with that. I think that if you're watching an episode of Cheers, for example, where Everybody knows your name, but also it's fun and safe, etc. If they suddenly did do a very serious episode on... Actually, I'm going to change it to Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Very fun, slightly surreal police officer TV show. Lots of fun with it. Until you get to the final season, which was started to be recorded in 2020, when there were these various police killings. And suddenly, this very light-hearted show had a couple of episodes that were almost not quite documentaries, but tonally completely different to everything that's gone before. And I get that you might actually want to put a warning before that because like, hey, this isn't what you think you're going to be getting. But if you're watching a TV show that's TVMA in America or rated 18 in the UK, something like The Sopranos, having a warning that there'll be 
gunshots and mutilation or something like that before the episode. Do I need to know that? I'm kind of expecting that in the actual show, and also by telling me exactly the things I might find offensive, you're also giving away some of the plot points that's coming on. But I do think there is a point when it comes to one particular thing. Allow me to tell you the setup for the most tasteless slash most genius episode of Rick and Morty ever. And that is in Season 7, Episode 4, That's a Morte. It opens up with Rick and the family and he's handing out spaghetti and everybody's loving the spaghetti and everybody's just having the greatest time ever. Who's ready for Rick's famous spaghetti? <laughs> I love spaghetti Thursday. Oh my god, Ricky! It's like it's better every time. Hell yeah, you like that? That's uh, some good spaghetti. And he's got all this spaghetti and everyone's declaring it's just the, the best spaghetti ever and with a bolognese sauce, obviously, and you know, going, oh, it's a little bit sweet, but also it's savory. Oh, it's, it's just absolutely... It's perfection. Oh, get me some more. And he goes, oh, yes, of course, you can have as much as you want. I had spaghetti night with Rick. And just everything is lovely. And it's so lovely. You're sitting there going, this is going to go somewhere dark. But I didn't expect it to go this dark because Rick goes into the garage and then he is followed by Morty. And Morty sees Rick standing over a dead body which has his chest cavity open full of spaghetti it's like oh god and then it turns into an understandable conversation around the dinner table about what on earth is happening here and if you don't know about rick and morty i perhaps should have explained it a little bit so rick and morty is actually originally a riff on doc and marty as in marty mcfly so whereas this is slightly different, you do have the old man is the mad professor, mad scientist, and then you've got the teenage boy. But on this occasion, Rick is also Morty's grandfather. And there's a whole multiverse thing, and Rick is not able to travel in time, but he's able to travel in both space and multiverses. And this allows loads of ridiculous things like multiverse TV, multiverse cable, with all these ridiculous TV shows. Maybe Greg will stick in a little snippet of one of them. They're just ludicrous. Two brothers in a van, and then a meteor hit. In Alien Invasion Tomato Monster Mexican Armada Brothers, who are just regular brothers running in a van from an asteroid and all sorts of things, the movie. Hold on, there's more. The moon, it comes crashing into Earth. And what do you do then? It's two brothers and a, and, and they're gonna, it's called Two Brothers. And this allows him to do almost anything. Rick is the smartest guy in the multiverse and also there are loads of different Ricks and that's a whole other thing. And so it turns out that there is this planet, it's actually unclear whether it's in our reality or another one, where when somebody dies, it's completely normal. Their body is just body. But, and this is where it may be offensive, and I don't know, maybe I should have put a warning up at the front, but I have said this is really an offensive episode. But if somebody commits suicide, it releases chemicals in the body, and so that this person inside turn into absolutely delicious spaghetti. Now, in this reality, there is no such thing as spaghetti. Nobody wants to eat offal from their perspective, but it just happens to be in this weird world, 
if they commit suicide, then they are an absolutely delicious meal for us on planet Earth. So you can see why this is about as edgy and potentially difficult as possible. I will now be as serious as it gets. I think it is great that in the 21st century there is so much more understanding, both clinically but also societally, about mental health and neurodiversity. I have a number of people, friends and family, who have serious mental health issues or have various neurodiverse issues. And whatever's going on, they need to get on with their lives. And they need, some of them more than others, support, love, caring, understanding. And it's so great to see that this is a really get great conversation today. And I think it's absolutely disgusting that we're also in a world where literally there are websites dedicated to encourage people to do things like self-harm or worse. Those websites are illegal, they are shut down whenever they're discovered, but they then just pop up again. And they're obviously feeding a bit of mental health problem there. And these people who are setting them up are disgusting. And if I could hunt them down, I would do terrible, terrible things to them. That's the world we live in. On the one hand, 99% of people are far more accepting and understanding of this. And I think that's great. And I think it's great that when I deal in my day job with organizations, the conversations around mental health, I never forget early on in my career working in publishing. So magazines, they come out every single week and they, are, they never have blank pages in them. And so you have a very stressed team trying to make sure that it's got enough advertising, enough editorial in it. And that's how you do it. And you do it every week. And when the one episode is down, one issue is out, then you just start again. And it can be pretty relentless. And after maybe four years of that, I was a junior manager. I'd become a manager, but I was pretty young still. I remember going to the HR person who, for the record, she's absolutely lovely. We were good friends. We, we spoke for years afterwards, kind of gone our separate ways now, but she's lovely. And we are talking about the late 1990s. And I said to her, I went, I'm feeling a bit overwhelmed at the moment. I'm feeling really stressed. And I think I need a bit of help in terms of stress. And her well-meaning answer in the 1990s was, suck it up, Jem, this is publishing. And today, that would probably break a law, but in the 1990s, that was just what society was. So when people turn around and say, oh, the 90s were a different time, they were and they weren't. We knew what sexism was in the 90s as well, and sexual harassment too, but things about mental health, it wasn't as discussed, and certainly amongst men. And... My wife is always saying, if it's a sad movie, Gem, you know, just show the boys that you are crying. It's okay for a man to be crying. I went, fine, just put on the end of Rocky. Always, every time, I cry. And I agree, you know, men should cry. I think that you should express your emotions. I also think that there are times when you do have to just get on with it, recognize the emotion. The example for me is when it comes to things like Britain's Got Talent or things like that where people are crying into the camera and it's like how sick is their grandmother please vote for me and it's like nope I'm going to vote for the person who is the most talented and not the person who is crying the most keep it together it's just a tv show I think there are limits to all these things but again going back to the super vulnerable and from what I've 
said earlier, if you ever do have dark thoughts, please go and seek medical attention. At the very least, talk to somebody you trust and they will help you get help. That is so important. And to anybody who's listening to this who does go to dark places. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I just want to say, you are loved. I may not know you, but I know that people don't understand what an impact they make on other people. And you are more appreciated and more loved than you'll ever truly know. And... Hey, if you want to reach out to me, a kind of complete stranger, I'd be happy to listen. But again, what you really need to do is go and seek proper medical help. Things like the Samaritans, also really great organizations. I encourage you to perhaps call them. It's anonymous and non-judgmental, and I encourage you to, to, to do that. So with all that said and done, why I'm so impressed by this episode is yes it goes to incredibly dark place and it doesn't play suicide for laughs but what it then does do is explore ethics and i've never seen ethics described in this way before and and so this is where i would say 10 out of 10 to dan Harmon and the rest of the writers being able to look at it this way round. so where this is leading to is a conversation about eating meat and the 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 place where this goes to and it is worth pointing out that greg and felicity the other half of this podcast they are both vegetarian and uh, vegetarian i think largely through ethical reasons i don't know if greg wants to jump in here and say anything well this is greg leaping out from behind the editor's seat again and i'll only just say yes me and felicity are both ethical vegetarians and I won't say much more than that because when we had the old format of this show, when Gem and I used to present the show together, we used to have an occasional argument episode. And one of the worst of these was a time we decided to argue over vegetarianism as a literal debate subject throughout history. And it was not one of our best episodes. And the reason why is we were just way too polite and civil and respectful of each other's views, which is not really what you expect on the internet. I'll hand you back to Jim. Personally, I eat meat. It's not the only thing I eat. I love a good vegetarian pasta from, from time to time. I don't think you should have meat with every meal. There is clinical evidence to say that eating too much meat is actually bad for you. But also, you do get certain essential vitamins and minerals from meat, which is so much harder to get from plant-based substitutes. So that's a whole thing about nutrition. But then there's the ethics. And going back to the episode, what is explained is because of the chemicals that go through these, and they look exactly like human beings, because of the chemicals that go through them at the point of committing suicide, that's why they turn into spaghetti. 
nothing else counts, so you couldn't start murdering people to turn them into delicious spaghetti. And Morty is so appalled by all of this that he demands to go to the planet. And Rick says, no good can come of this. You know, you just need to leave it. Maybe we should just stop eating the spaghetti. Uh, the rest of the family are kind of appalled because they love the spaghetti and they really didn't want to know that. Which again, you can absolutely see an analogy there of, I love a good burger. I wouldn't want them to kill the cow in front of me. That would be a bit much. Let's continue down this path. They then go to the planet and they meet the president from the planet and Morty explains the whole situation and these people are appalled but also intrigued. And then, without Rick, Morty is encouraged to come back to the country and sit with the president and the president in essence says, well, if people commit suicide of their own free will, you know, they're perhaps at end of life. It, you know, it brings up the conversation about yes, those trips to Switzerland, euthanasia, I have terminal cancer, I'm in absolute agony, I just want to go, which is a form of suicide. And if they ethically say, you are asked, would you like to leave your body to science? Well, in this case, would you like to leave your body for a delicious meal for, for people? And can you see how this is just... It's an insane situation that is the perfect satirical mirror to hold up to society as a whole. We're talking about assisted suicide here, ethical suicide, euthanasia, and also the meat trade, all in 22 minutes with bright, colourful, expletive-ridden animation. This is just a remarkable piece of, I was going to call it entertainment, remarkable piece of TV. How about, how about that? And this is the thing, this sort of foul mouth stuff that so many people get upset about is making, sometimes, like this at South Park, is making more interesting, whether you agree with them or not, like I say, that's irrelevant, but they're making more interesting comments than more mainstream stuff, or indeed sometimes just really big production TV shows. Something like Billions, for example, which I watched for the first five seasons, there's only so many different ways you can see that rich people can be jerks, but then so can the government. Job done after one series, but anyway, back to this, it all escalates, as I think you can work out, where the planet then works out that this would be a great revenue stream, and that they've got various unhappy people, and this would therefore reduce costs on things like mental health, mental health care, and things like that, and so it's a whole new burgeoning economy, and it's sort of terrifying how it works out for the planet, except for obviously the people who actually need help rather than being told that you go on, feel free to do so. And presumably you're going to profit from it or your family's going to profit from it. It's an interesting, ethical, weird dilemma. And so it all culminates in the fact that there is, uh, for various reasons, it ends up stopping and then the rest of the galaxy starts losing its mind because the delicious spaghetti isn't going to happen. It's incredibly poor taste, you could say, but it is funny in the darkest of darkest forms of humour. And there is then a case of, well, hey, Rick, you can reproduce anything. Why don't you replicate it? And they say, well, okay, but there's only one last person who is medically ill enough to want an assisted suicide and so what happens and again this is a sign of the cleverness people think that 
South Park and Rick and Morty has no heart to it whatsoever. That these are just cynical men just growling at the world. And sometimes they're right, but sometimes they do show their heart as well. The sort of the sympathy and empathy. If it was all just one thing, it wouldn't be very good. So in this occasion, what happens is, what Rick says is like, okay, this person's going to pass away, but we're going to see his life. And you then see his life from being a, a, a small kid, growing up, first love and all this kind of thing keeps falling in love with this woman called Amber. They were they were at school together, but they went their different ways and so on and so forth. They get back together, but Amber then leaves her husband, who is, coincidentally, one of the people who committed suicide earlier in the episode. So you now know what caused that, which is just, you know, incredibly good writing and incredibly dark writing as well. And then, once he dies and he's turned into spaghetti, you're expecting Rick to then replicate it so that everybody can have the spaghetti without anybody else dying and he hands a bit over to Morty and Morty just throws up and then so does everybody else and everybody's lost their appetite towards it and so Rick solves the problem by humanizing these people which is the exact opposite of what you would expect from Rick and then right at the end just because it's Rick and Morty they then have okay it's such a shame about the spaghetti and then Rick says, okay, here's some Salisbury steak instead. And the family go, oh my God, this is the best Salisbury steak ever. And he goes, I'm not going to tell you where it's coming from. I'm just going to tell you it's far, far worse than the previous one. It's really sick and twisted. I've warned you guys, but I'm never telling you. And everyone goes, oh, I don't care. Just keep giving me the Salisbury steak. It's so delicious. And so we're back to the beginning of the show. So let's go into the world of ethical meat eating it's a tough one because there's no doubt about it for for people who say vegetarian is the way forwards it is worth pointing out that without eating meat we wouldn't have been able to evolve to homo sapien what is the advantage of meat it is just calorifically and protein wise and in terms of various nutrients and vitamins it's just denser than a stick of celery or an apple or something like that. Now, obviously, you need a balanced diet. If all you did was eat beef, you're going to die in a different way than if you only ate apples. Variety is the spice of life, people. However, you then get the argument is like, that may be true, but we're not hunter-gatherers anymore. That is absolutely true. But what I find interesting is how people have tried to work their way around it and the kind of repercussions of that. So there has been, in the last 10 years, bigger and bigger marketplace for vegetarian products. The whole plant-based beef burger type thing. And it turns out that when people talk about vegetarianism, you know, full-on vegetarianism doesn't seem to be in the UK more than 7% of the population. In terms of, I mean, that's strict vegetarianism. In terms of veganism, it's less than 1%. It's a choice, and if that's your choice, you do you, you have a great time with it. But what they've noticed is that because there's been more data on excessive meat eating is bad for you, that people have become, and I hate this term, flexitarian. Do you know what? Everybody was, well, who aren't vegetarian already, are flexitarian. I rarely eat meat for breakfast. A bowl of cereal is a vegetarian meal. Okay, and so is something like ice cream, maybe from dairy, which vegans wouldn't have, but vegetarians would be okay with it. Same with cheese. So 
cheese on toast for lunch is again a vegetarian meal. So what these huge manufacturers of food products have decided to do is follow a trend. But this has led into some certain misnomers. There is no doubt that if you pick fresh herbs, vegetables, make them into a stew or something like that, then that is both vegetarian and incredibly healthy for you. Roast peppers, delicious. But if you get a fake hamburger, the only thing you can say about it is no animals were harmed in the making of this burger, but to process it, get the right color, etc., it is chock full of various artificial ingredients and is no healthier. In fact, it is far worse for you than just eating an actual beef burger. So it's full of salt, it's full of sugar as well, artificial ingredients, flavorings, additives, colorants, etc. It's not good for you, and also it's not particularly great for the environment too. The other argument about something like meat eating is it does contribute significantly to greenhouse gases. This is true, but just for the vegetarians, before they get on their high horse, it's worth pointing out that rice production is also very intense with carbon dioxide. So actually there's more rice in the world than there are cows and, and areas where cows are grazing, cattle are grazing. So it's just the case of we need to calm down the human population a bit more than necessarily cows are evil. So that's another problem we've got going on there. Sorry. Perhaps the greatest revelation in meat production has been the chicken cloning experiment in where else? California, America. Where what they did, chickens molt naturally. So if the argument is we don't want to be cruel to animals, we don't want to kill animals, what the scientists did is wait for a chicken to shed a feather. So that is completely natural. So far, so good. They then took that feather, which therefore in no way involves the chicken, took it to laboratory, went down to the cell level, and started reproducing cells not of feathers, but of that chicken's musculature, which is what meat is, and kept going, kept going, kept going, until they had enough meat in a Petri dish to then have some roast fillet chicken. And they invited the chicken, who presumably had no idea what was going on, to the party where they were eating chicken from the chicken that was still alive and in no way harmed. It's a great thought experiment. It costs something like $20,000 a pound of chicken, which is obviously not economically viable. But is that vegetarian? If the point is I don't want an animal to die, and this is meat where nothing has died or been harmed. What's the problem? Ethically, there isn't one. So that I find interesting as an idea. But going back to these big organizations creating things like 100% plant-based burgers and sausages and all that kind of stuff, the one I really hate is Facon, vegan bacon. It's like if you miss bacon that much, Clearly, this thing is just chock full of additives. Just eat bacon. What is the point of spending this much money on stuff that almost tastes like bacon? It's just weird. Anyway, but what's interesting is, since the cost of living crisis in 2022, 
the sales of these kind of products have plummeted by around about 40%. And that makes them not economically viable. Because here's the thing, whereas everybody wants to eat better, more healthily, the problem is, in this sort of area, is, but it costs significantly more, and I get significantly less. So I'm going to go back to beef burgers. And so more cows get bred and killed. So this is the thing. When people say that it's completely natural to be vegetarian, or there's that fact about how your average meat eater will have, and it's, you're not a meat eater, you're they're an omnivore. That's a technical term for somebody who'll eat anything, or an animal that will eat anything. We're omnivorous. But it's like, oh, they on average carry a pound worth of meat. That might have been true 15 years ago, but I don't eat anything like as much meat as I used to personally. I've cut down a fair bit because, like I say, I would like the health benefits. But at the same time, you do get this issue of if you are low income, low income families are invariably time poor. This is the reason why the, this is the problem of the single mother. They have nobody to help them. So if they've got a job and looking after the kids, they kind of run out of time. So what do I do? Well, I will therefore get pre-made food. Fast food is the common choice because it's hot and it's filling and, it, and there's no arguments and it just, it's fast as well. And so these are very calorifically dense. They've got lots of saturated fats in them. They're a delicious treat from time to time. I wouldn't begrudge anybody occasionally having a burger from McDonald's or Burger King or whatever. But you shouldn't be eating it every single day. That's just not healthy. This is the thing. With a lot of these vegetarian meals, they take quite a lot of time to prepare. And also you need quite a lot of ingredients. There's a lot of chopping and grating and things like that. And therefore they are less likely to be used by low-income families because they just don't have the time or inclination. And when was the last time they ever had the time to watch a cookery program and, and or buy a book that's just full of vegetarian meals? And a lot of them do then go on to sort of more expensive stuff as well. Oh, let's have truffles in this one. Nobody can afford truffles. So I don't have a solution to this. But this is the thing. I think that anybody who denigrates the choices of anybody else you're the problem. I don't like sanctimonious vegetarians any more than I'd like sanctimonious meat eaters going, oh, you know, they're so weak because they're not eating their meat. It's sort of like, no, there are loads of sports people who are vegetarian and they can absolutely run faster and bench press more than you can. So just back off, meaty boy. But this is highlighted in an incredibly strange but thought-provoking episode of a TV series that has been running for over 10 years and has been thought to have nothing left to say, that it's been dead. And same thing with South Park as well. Again, I am not necessarily agreeing or disagreeing with any of this stuff. I don't like it when people's long podcasts or TV series I no more want a politician to play the electric guitar than I do want a musician to tell me this is how I should vote in the next election. And so it's the same thing here. I am trying to sort of show you things from, from all sides, and invariably things are complicated. That's because I come from a history background and I'm well aware that there are very rarely neat answers for anything. But hopefully this made you think about things in a slightly different way, and maybe watch a little bit or return back to the likes of South Park and Rick and Morty.
That's it from me. Another episode coming soon. <laughs>